Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's football and random things on a Monday morning. Uh, Jeff, what do you have already fired up? As you were able to see during the like 30 seconds that we talked to each other before the podcast started, I'm already mad. I watched the condensed game of, from Saturday's loss to Iowa, and I am pissed off, Jeff Woody. I'm pissed off. I, you know what? I can feel that. I, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm pissed off. I'm still more... I'm disappointed slash frustrated, but I think this is also a qualifying negative emotions as saying that we've been here before. And I think the recency bias says this is the worst. This is the, you know, biggest, you know, whatever super negative superlative you want to put in front of it last year around this time, Iowa state got beat by 17 to Louisiana at home. And we were saying almost exactly the same thing. So, and I mean, even down to the thing. So you had sent me a thing that uh, John Miller, who's a, a big Hawkeye guy for those that are on Twitter. And I, I'm, I haven't been in three years, but I, I think even, uh, even, the, even then. So it's just kind of instigating slash, I don't know, speaky, whatever. So anyway, he, one of the things he's he gotten said, much better, I will say in okay. John's defense, he has gotten much better about not being an instigator, but this particular take, I did not agree with. So it was what he was saying was that, that Iowa state fans should be offended or disappointed or feeling frustrated that the coaching staff gave up on them by pulling, uh, really Brock and Brees. I think we can lump them both together by pulling Brock and Brees in the fourth quarter and feeling like you've been given up on even that talking point is the same as it was last year against Louisiana. Let me let's rewind the clock 12 months when Iowa state was down. I think it was only 10. It it was within a one or two score game and there was maybe four minutes to go. And Louisiana gets inside the 40 yard line or something like that. Iowa state has a full complement of timeouts and they don't use them. Louisiana runs the ball. They end up getting a first down and the clock basically runs out with Campbell having been able to stop it and not. And I think the point on that is you have just pissed all over your bed. I'm not going to give you new sheets at this point. You have to realize that this is not okay. Like you've got to, you have to learn from this, that this feeling's not right. And I think that again, even the same talking points from the Louisiana game to this game are the same, which is if you don't execute and you don't follow through on the details that are required. And the expectation is that if you go out there and just play, you're going to end up winning the game you're going to get your ass handed to you. Like you're going to lose the game. And now 
Campbell, I think in that, that's the thing. Like I'm not at all frustrated. In fact, I'm pretty pleased with the choice is you from bottom of the roster to the very top of the roster. You have a choice. Now is your choice going to be because we got our butts kicked and you, the, the best two players on our roster. I mean, that, that best two offensive players, one can argue got essentially didn't play in the fourth quarter. You had to watch your team go out there, some success, some failure in that fourth quarter and lose at home and disappoint the fan base extremely. I don't, I don't think that's any question. Now your choice is how you respond. Now you didn't do well in the first game offensively. You didn't do well in the second game offensively. And I would imagine the coach has been telling you, this is what has to happen in order for you to get by. And now you have the choice step up and face the challenge and do things the right way or get all mad that you got pulled or that the offense didn't do well or that whatever, 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 negative, negative, negative. You have two choices, either improve or get worse. That is the only two choices that you are presented with at this point. So I would not want to be a part of practice this week. This week is, uh, I don't think necessarily from a harshness running their legs off. That's not really like the, the solution to the problem. It's an emotional problem and, and a mental problem, less than a physical one. Uh, but that mental and emotional challenge is going to be very strong this week, because again, there are two choices. There is zero middle ground. There is improve drastically and focus back on what's actually important or get all mad and start blaming people for your problems. Like that's the, there, those are your only two choices in this situation. So I, I think that's where Iowa state is right now. And again, it feels just like Louisiana, which we are all really mad about last year, which we should be mad about this, but I think the, the judgment can and should be withheld for what happened in the back half of that game for eight weeks from now, because if Iowa state rips off nine wins in a row or something like that, and they get to the Oklahoma game, having only lost this game because they rallied the troops back together. Great. Then that fits. Everything's the right move. But if they end up going like, you know, hypothetically like four and four in the next eight games, because they're still bickering at each other, not still there that they would be fighting or mad or whatever, you know, some insert negative situation here, then that's the wrong move. But this, I think the judgment towards the end of the game, how that happened, the execution of it, the, the lack of fundamentals or not fundamentals, the lack of details, the lack of good decision-making, all that has a, a crux turning point razor's edge right now. And that's where Iowa state is. I would presume that that based on what happened last year is going to fall in the direction of improving, but I don't know for sure because you can't know the future. So that's where my kind of mental state is, is disappointed and frustrated, but at the same time, like this might be a necessary ass kicking to get yourself off the ground. This strikes me as one of those weeks where the coach starts by saying everybody on offense is starting at square zero and you got to earn your spot back. Like it might uh, be it. And you know, going into this game this weekend, that realistically could roll just about anybody out there and probably win the game. You know, okay. I mean, UNLV is not a good team. And so you sit there and you're like, yes, obviously everybody still has their spot. Like the co everybody knows, like everybody's still got their spot, but it's like, we're going into this week. It's week zero of fall camp. You got to earn your spot back you got to do all the right things and you've got to put yourself in a position. Show me why I should trust you again after the way that last week went. And that's what I think is so frustrating about it is that it feels, we know these guys are good players. We mm -hmm. know that these guys know how to execute their job. This isn't like, it's not like they're freshmen and sophomores 
it's not like what next year's team will be like where there's all these guys that we just really haven't seen play that much, you know, Mm -hmm. where you hear about how talented they are, but we've never seen it. No, we've seen these guys do it. We know that they can do it. We know that they know how to do it. So that's why it's frustrating when you look at it from this game where you're like, or you hear about the things with slow starts and why we don't execute in the month of September and things like that. And you sit there and you're like, why does this team need to learn how to execute how to do these things because it's the same guys doing the same jobs that they've already been done, been doing before for in a lot of cases, multiple years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, that is, I think the, the frustrating part, however, at the same time, you know, old dog, new tricks situation. Like we, we potentially could have been pushing in front of and saying like, Hey, this is the way things, you know, we, the expectations for a senior laden team or super senior in some cases, uh, that they would pick up faster, but that might just not be the case. And like, there's a, I, I use this little terminology and it's one of the best lessons that I got uh, in sports and generally like life advice. So when I was in high school, uh, our baseball coach, Scott Belger, shout out to coach Belger, um, did a, uh, sports psychologist, like there's a, a a performance sports psychologist, performance coach. It wasn't actually, didn't actually bring him in, but, um, like a video series that that guy put out and he showed it to all of us. And it was something that I will always remember. And he said, there's two types of experience. There's expensive experience and there's inexpensive experience. And I've just added my own anecdote to explain the difference. So inexpensive experience is going to a a wing restaurant. And so it's inexpensive experience is watching your friend order the hottest wings on the planet and then eating those wings and sweating and throwing up and being super uncomfortable and realizing then those are not good wings to eat. I should not make that choice because I've watched someone else or I've let someone else's experience or education tell me that that's a bad decision. Expensive experience is being the friend that eats those super hot, hot wings and ends up throwing up that you learn from your own experience that says, wow, that was a bad choice. I should avoid that choice in the future. It seems like this team might need expensive experience, which is that's the frustrating part is that you should have lived in the inexpensive experience of you had last year, different entity, different team last year. You saw what happened. You, you know, from the outside watching film, when you played Louisiana or you played, uh, you know, you and I, and, or whatever, two years ago, and you barely squeak by and you do all these things, the previous team, but it doesn't happen to you. It doesn't happen to your record is clear of what that is. It's not your team but you might need it. Like this team might be the team. This group of individuals might need an expense or might need expensive experience to feel physically. It happens to you. Like you lost, you missed the reads, you dropped the passes, you fumbled the ball, you missed the block. Like you, not someone else, not theoretically last year, not a different group of people you did. And hopefully that the case is when you watch someone else, eat those hot wings and you go, ha I shouldn't do that. Or if you eat someone else, you, you see last you see someone eat those hot wings and puke and vomit. And you go, that's them. I can handle it. And then you walk into that thing, order the wings and you end up throwing up. Like it's, it's one of those things that it, that's the frustrating part is that they're not learning from other mistakes, but the hopeful part again, in, in the frustration, whatever the hopeful part is now they have the expensive experience, like the things that you have been told and the things that you watched on films and the things that the previous team last year, which is almost the same team experienced, you are now experiencing again. So 
what are you going to do? Like, are you going to then go back to that restaurant and eat the same stupid wings and throw up again? Because you think you're impervious to that solution. It's just a one-time thing. Or are you going to go, you know what I'm going to do? Eat a salad, like not going to go to that wing place. I'm going to go eat a salad because that's a better outcome for me. So that's, I think the situation again, that Iowa state is in. And it's, that's to me, that's the part that I would say, disappointed is how they played. Like I said, the, the two feelings that I have disappointed and frustrated. And the frustrated part is that they're not taking an inexpensive experience approach to learning why this thing didn't work. They are needing the expensive experience. Where do you want to start with the game specifically? Um, I think we already started on the offense and I think we can, we can probably stay there and just sort of talk about it because there's not, I don't know necessarily the specifics on why it was that bad. And then we can kind of positively end the, the, the recap portion on the really good part, which is the defense. Mm-hmm. And then we'll kind of spin into, into UNLV from there. Okay. Let's talk about Brock then. What did you see from Brock on Saturday? I, it was okay, but uninspired. Like, I think that's the feeling that I get. And I think year one, Brock, like first playing season, Brock, the thing that was kind of there was always that like a super, like a fire, you know, like there is, he's going to be the, like, he's not chirping anybody. He's not a trash talker guy, but like he gets a first down, like he's going to up, he's thumping his chest. He's doing, you know, he's just the confidence, the confidence oozed out of him. Yeah. And he doesn't have that right now. And it, whether it's confidence or like, maybe there's been lessons that have been taken too, too literally or too far. So like last year, I think Matt Campbell said it a bunch of different times is that Baylor game felt like a rock bottom situation where he was trying to do everything. And he ended up throwing those three interceptions in the first half back in the second half of that game through three touchdowns. Iowa state obviously goes on to win the game. Well, in the off season, the thing they were trying to get him to do was not feel like he has to do everything. But what I wonder is if he internalized that lesson as to, I need to uh, be extra conservative or whatever and be, and he's now, uh, I don't want to say afraid or lacks confidence. I don't think that those are necessarily the case. I mean, they might be, but I I don't know the kid. I don't know what's going on and no one can, unless you actually are in the room. So if anybody says whatever, you don't listen to him. That might be the case. That might also be that he has been practicing the entire year on not doing the things that put him in situations in past times that have created the the negativity, which like the, the three of the three interceptions really one. And, and again, I think Campbell said this really well is uh, even the one that was tipped off the, the, the defensive lineman that went up and the, the third interception. Um, if like, maybe there's another read that he should have gone to before then. So that might have also been his fault, but that one's harder to tell that it was his fault. It might've just been a bad luck thing, but like the first one, it was late and short. Like the ball should have come out. Even if it was kind of a Peyton Manning, like a Peyton Manning throw, which is kind of a duck, but on the money, like even if it was a bit of a duck that you can get away with that, but that ball needed to come out a second before it did because Hutchinson had a step but by throwing it late, he had to slow Xavier down. Like that ball just should have come out sooner because unless you have a Patrick Mahomes arm, that's going to throw it 95 yards. You can't wait that long to throw that ball. Uh, so it was late. And then when he did end up throwing it, it was just, it, 
it couldn't have not been short because again, if, if you Xavier Hutchinson, I bet if you put a clock on him, he's somewhere in the four, three, four, four, 40 range. That is one second for every 10 yards. So if he's at full speed and you wait, even 1000, not even a full th- that's seven yards short. Like that is by that point, you have taken the two or three yards of space that he's had and eliminated them and given the defensive back four yards. Like if it's half a second late, that's why timing is really important. So I think on that one, you can say that that one was Brock's fault. Zipball should have come out sooner. Trust Xavier more, get it out gone. The second one was the other end of that equation. The one that got tipped that was on, that was on Xavier. Like it was the right read. Iowa drops into a two deep zone a lot. I don't know if that particular play was, I haven't watched it, but they drop into a two deep zone. They just keep everything in front of you. He was running underneath a linebacker. The ball was thrown maybe a little hot. Maybe it wasn't, but if you got both hands on it, you're a big 12 wide receiver. You're all, you're all conference catch the ball. Like that's, he would tell you that. I don't know if he's done an interview since he would tell you that that one was his fault. So that one got tipped up, probably not Brock's fault. Didn't take an exit. Didn't take an excessive risk. It was a safe throw presumably. And then all of a sudden it goes off his hands. It gets caught the third one. Again, it could have been a read that goes differently, but that one might just have been a bad luck. So those three interceptions, maybe one, one was for sure his fault. The other two, maybe, maybe not. So I don't think Brock was exceptionally bad. It was just when I, when I say uninspired is like, when you watch that game and granted in the press box, I don't know why. I mean, maybe you can tell me why they don't open the windows in there more, but just anyway, you can't hear and you can't feel it as much. Um, so when I was down watching with uh, my fiance and her family, you get kind of an energy on it. The first time that I felt offensive energy was in the fourth quarter when, um, Hunter Deckers threw the ball to 26. Who's 26. Eli Sanders. True so Eli Sanders. Back when he threw it to Eli Sanders and Eli Sanders didn't run out of bounds and he took it straight to this Iowa safety. That was the first time that I saw and felt attitude like that. It's pride in how well, how I'm going to do my thing. That's the first time that I felt that. And it was the middle of the fourth quarter. Once the game has more or less been out of hand. And before then, in years past, Iowa state has been this kind of juggernaut. Like last year, they were kind of this juggernaut Frankenstein where like, they didn't need to have a ton of fire because they're the, it was the, it was inevitable. Like Brees and Brock are kind of cool customers. They were last year. Charlie's kind of a cool customer. They're not guys that are going to get up and, you know, fist fight and whatever. Uh, but there was still passion. There was still an intensity. Like you could feel that there was pride in how they were going about doing these little details. And I didn't feel that. And I think that is, again, what I would say, okay, but uninspired is what I would feel from Brock is it didn't feel like he had the kind of at the top confidence that at the top command of this is what we're doing. And I don't care. We're going to win this game. Even if I have to cut my left arm to do it like that kind of feeling. And I didn't feel that. And I don't know if that wasn't the case, if he was pressing or whatever, uh, but he didn't play exceptionally bad. It just wasn't exceptionally good. And I think for this offense to be where it wants to be, the quarterback has to be exceptionally good especially against a team like Iowa, who doesn't make mistakes. Do you think there's an element? So I don't know if you listened to Chris and Brent on their podcast this week, but they talk about this idea of there being, you know, and this is all just them speaking theoretically, but I wanted to know your opinion on it of their, him having potentially this like identity crisis of wanting to be the, of like being naturally the kind of gunslinger that we saw him be as a, as a freshman you know, kind of as a sophomore and now wanting to be like this game manager that they need him to be 
where he doesn't have to do everything and he doesn't have to make the crazy play and that kind of stuff. And like, it's like kind of like an internal battle of trying to be the best version of himself and like try and take some of those pieces of being what he was that made him so successful as a younger guy, but not wanting to make the mistakes that he made at the same time. And then now it's like become to where he's almost tentative. Like, does that make sense to you? Yeah. And, and it's, it, I would say that's probably a pretty accurate take and I haven't got the chance to listen to it yet. I usually do, but, um, we were busy yesterday. Um, I, I would say that that is probably a thing that like tentative or, and a lack of confidence seems like it's, um, like you are devoid of confidence. So that term, I don't think is necessarily like the true application, but not at full confidence. Like if the confidence meter on Madden, if, if there is a confidence meter on Madden, it's it, Brock's usually at like a 99. Like I, I think he is, that is a, one of the defining characteristics of Brock Purdy is having a high level of confidence. He's not at like a 40. He's not like a 40 level confidence, but he might be at like an 82 or like it's, it's high, but it's not the same kind of overpowering commanding confidence. And that might pro that I would imagine that comes from trying to determine where he now needs to fit. Like as a leader, with a really experienced group, everyone looks up to him. How does he want to lead? Like, how do you want to behave? How much pressure is he, is he putting on himself to be that perfect version of what he needs to be? Is that self-improvement thing? Is he going to, like you said, is he going to be a game manager? Is he going to take chances? What, what are the things that he needs to do? And I, I bet there is yeah, a little bit, a little bit of an internal battle that he's struggling with, or trying to, to get through in order to kind of, again, take this team to where he wants to, because I don't think, and I, I do not think and at all that this is that there's any selfishness that exists on this team. I don't think that that's it. And so like, I don't know if, if the internet has, has rumbled this, but I'll quell it before it's there is these guys are playing for themselves or they came back to, you know, just to get their NFL stock better. Like that's the only reason they're there. They're me, me, me. That's, I don't think that's it. I think, if anything, it's trying to be so precise and perfect because you want to make it the best for your teammates that you possibly can, that you end up paralyzing yourself by trying to be so perfect. So here's the one that I think is the best example of this in a, there, I think it was during the third quarter. I think it was on their first drive, maybe of the third quarter, uh, where they ended up getting out towards midfield, but he was scrambling out to his right and got clear over by the sidelines had probably five, six yards that he could have ran and gotten the first down and kept the drive going. And instead he tried to throw, I mean, he, he didn't really try and throw it to anybody. He basically threw it away, but he threw it out of bounds, like 15 yards short of where there was even a receiver or anything like that. And it was like, you kind of look at it and you're like, man, that doesn't look like the Brock Purdy that I remember from when he came in against Oklahoma state and he ran over a guy to get a first down. You know, yeah. it was, it just makes you wonder where you're like, man, why every version of Brock Purdy that we've seen in his career runs that ball, gets a first down, you move on. And this one just doesn't seem like he's got that same mentality to be like, I'm just going to go and get this first down myself. Like I, it's almost like the idea that I don't need to do everything myself has made it where now he's almost risk averse of doing the thing himself when he can do it. You know, yeah. that, like, does that kind of make sense? When I would imagine that comes from being scared to hurt your team, like yeah. which in and of itself is hurting the team. That's, and that's a really hard, it's a really hard space to occupy in. Uh, it's like, if you are afraid that if by running that 
you get yourself hurt, then you pull yourself off the field or you, you know, whatever you fumble or you, you, you know, you're not at, like when you hurt his shoulder a couple of years ago and what they offense kind of trailed off like that at, towards the end of the year. So he wants to stay in so he can be better for his teammates. And so like you make the choice that the better to sit, you know, it, the choice happens like that. So it's not like a, a wealth for thoroughly thought out decision. Um, but like the default mode of I'm going to go do this puts your teammates in jeopardy that I don't want to hurt my teammates because I care about my teammates so much that I'm going to do this thing that is on the other side of that spectrum, which is do the safe thing that can't hurt my teammates, but by not being aggressive enough, it's not letting the offense move to its full potential, thereby hurting his teammates. So like you're, you're screwed in one category and you're screwed in the other category, but it almost, yeah. Like, and that's where I saying like, it, it's the, the trying to be so perfect that it's just not going to end. Like it doesn't end up working. Like you, you can't be such a, you know, like a basketball metaphor is if you're afraid to miss a shot, because it would be a wasted possession or whatever that you end up passing away open shots that you, you know, like it's a yips thing. Like if that, like not literally, I'm not saying that Brock has the yips, but like if, if that basketball player normally shoots well from the elbow gets a more or less open look at the elbow, but has missed two or three in a row and is afraid to shoot that one again, because not because he's scared of not making it. It's that he doesn't want to end the possession when someone else could score or his perception is that someone else can score. So he ends up passing away an open look, but the best thing for him to do is be aggressive in that situation. So yeah, there might be a little bit of that sitting on there. And again, I, I is it too passive? Is it a lot of lack of confidence? Is it trying to, trying to be too perfect? I don't know, but the effect is the same. All right. So I want to come back to when they were, when they took him out of the game in a little bit, we'll circle back around to it. Uh, thoughts on Brees' performance in the game. The first thing I want to say about him, I don't think that Brees can, I mean, you can't fumble the ball at your own six. Like I, I know that, but Brees, Brees Hall had lost one fumble on his entire career. Bad time to lose your second one. You know, yeah. like it kind of is what it is though. When you only lose two fumbles and it, the number of carries that that guy's had, whatever, 600 carries at Iowa state or something, however many it's been in the last two and two plus years, like, shit happens, you know, you lose your second fumble of your career. I'm not going to fault him for that. I thought Brees looked a lot closer to being the Brees that we know at certain times in the game on Saturday. Did you feel like they did enough to establish him and establish that run game? Maybe that, that they would, you know, normally in the, in the past have tried to get going. I would say I could say the same thing about Brees that I said about Brock. And it also is per expectation because the expectation is we saw you do it for 10, 11 games last year of tearing people apart. Like right. we saw it, we know what it looks like and we haven't got that in two weeks. And I, it might, maybe it's not fully healthy, but at the, at the same time, the first time that brought or that, that, uh, uh, Brees had a little bit of fire in him was after he had fumbled. Like you could tell there was a difference between, before the fumble and after the fumble is he was mad. You could, you could see it. He was mad after the fumble. Like he was much more physical. He was much more seeking contact. He was much more downhill, like going for it. And that should have been there before. And I would say this, that most, uh, these guys are humans. They are young humans. And so you're, you're apt to make mistakes. 
so I don't, I'm like, I'm not crucifying any of these kids. It's just saying that like the breeze that we saw after that fumble is the breeze that we want to see for, for the rest of them is that aggressive. I'm going to take it to you and make you look like an idiot. Like that's the way that Brees needs to operate. So I think that we got, like you said, that, that we got more of the Brees that we were expecting in the post fumble. But at that time, the game was sort of running away from where uh, they could have actually used that because they were playing from behind against a team that again, doesn't make mistakes. They play behind everything. So it got to a point where he was playing the way we need him to play or that, I, that, that we would expect him to play, but you weren't able to harness it. So that's a thing that again, razor's edge of you played poorly. You hit a, you hit your rock bottom. Like you, your first couple games, admittedly, not your best. You missed a couple cuts. You fumbled like you, that's as bad as it can get for a running back. I mean, been there. I think my, that feeling is terrible. Like when he was just laying on the ground, I know that feeling, that feeling is your heart is heart sinking is not an appropriate term for how bad you feel laying on the ground after seeing the ball dribble away on a fumble. Uh, and it, 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 I, I hope that that kind of reminds him of the aggression to that he wants that he needs to play with. Cause like, that when Brees is like that, like in the second half, when he was making, like there was one, I think there was one play where he made like, it was maybe like a seven yard run or something like that, but it was in the a gap and then made two little like six inch jump cuts. And there was a linebacker that was running completely free, like completely naked up the middle it ran. It was like a filled to the a gap, made two little six inch jump cuts, slipped off that guy shouldered into another linebacker, a safety and drug him for seven yards. It's like second and three now. All right, cool. That's the breeze that we want to see. And so I think that that little, again, expensive experience that, all right, this is what you got to do to more or less wake up Then all right, wake up, go play, like go be you now. And I think that, well, I, I hope that the pressure then of, you know, you, you, if you're a Heisman contender, you're the, uh, you have, you know, you had all this big season last year and you're going to have to do, you know, better and whatever. And, well, you can't have a perfect season now, son. Like you fumbled, they scored a touchdown on it, lost the best, lost to your biggest rival. Like, all right, you can't be perfect. Now don't try and be, just go try and be you. And so I'm hoping that that is the thing that kind of gets to at least him, uh, that there is that kind of, all right, I don't have to be perfect. I'm just going to be me. I'm going to go do what I want to do. Go do me and we'll see what happens from there. Cause that's when, especially a running back like him is at his best. And I will say, uh, you know, there weren't a ton of positives to take away from Iowa state's offensive performance necessarily. I thought the offensive line actually played pretty well for the most part, for the majority of the game, the pass protection. I think they only allowed two sacks. Like for the most part, Brock had quite a bit of time to throw usually. Uh, and they were moving people up front. I mean, in the run game, like that wasn't an issue. They were able to move people. It wasn't like they were being stonewalled every time. Was it perfect? No. But again, it's game two. Like you can't probably expect them to be perfect every time, especially up front. But like, I, I think we can walk away and feel like that group is getting closer to where you want to see them be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and there are a couple, I think the, the, the whole group, the, the fist, you know, that Jay likes to call or whoever, like the, the, the five functioning parts that come together to make one, that group is improving. There are still some individual mistakes on fingers of that hand. Like I think Colin Newell didn't have his best game where he, there was a lot, a lot of times where these, whether it's a reach block and the way that Iowa lines up is really wonky sometimes like 
they run this like little tilt nose or where they're going to, they're going to push into the center, which is really hard for this. They make it hard on the center, which it just kind of natural. It comes with the territory. So your centers likely aren't going to have their best game against Iowa. So he didn't have his perfect game, but still the unit was better than it was in week one. And I think they're going to continue to get better. So they're going to, yeah, they're playing physical. They were able to run the ball somewhat. They just, I mean, you, you can't get by, you cannot win games with four turnovers period point blank end of story. And even more to what, to what makes that worse is you can't win the game when you are minus four in turnovers. Like if you, if you give up the ball four times, but you get the ball three times, you're only minus one. It's net negative one. Oops. But Iowa doesn't turn it over and you turn it over four times. One of which is a touchdown. It's just not going to work. Like the offensive line did play well, but those mistakes so overshadowed that, that it's hard. Like, it's going to feel the same, like in the meeting room, despite the facts would be, yeah, a better, they improved from week one to week two. They didn't do all that poorly. Uh, they, you know, I would say they played at least better and yet you're, you're still staring down a loss. So yeah, it, it's just those mistakes. And I will, the other thing too, but is, um, not only just four turnovers, the other thing that is frustrating is, little procedural penalties. And that's a thing that, that shouldn't be in a team that like, I would 100% guarantee that they have the, the Campbell and offensive staff have, have addressed not screwing it up. And there would be times it happened again. where like a couple, like a couple days or a couple times uh, in the, the UNI game, you get like the Xavier Hutchinson, big, 35 yard pass. And the next snap is a false start that puts you first and 15. You have to end up punting that away. Like you can't end up capitalizing on it because you made a stupid procedural mistake, especially against a team like Iowa that doesn't make mistakes. So they had more turnovers and they had more penalties and it was just the, the little frustrating. So yes, offensive line did better, but there still were procedural penalties that I think what was it? The second drive of the second, the second drive of the second half was negative 13 yards because there was a false start and a sack. Like you can't have that, especially not against a team like Iowa or Oklahoma. Like if you want to beat teams that are at the top, you can't beat yourself. That, that stretch was maybe one of the worst stretches of football I've seen Iowa state play in five years, because that was, you get the ball to start the second half, you get it out to midfield, you punt, Really good punt by Corey Dunn, punts him, punts, uh, pins him deep inside their own territory. First of all, okay, shout out to Tory Taylor, man. Tor- if Taylor, Tory Taylor's not on somebody's Heisman ballot this week, then they're messing up because that guy is unbelievable. That's he, the Iowa punter. Yeah, he way. might be the best college punter I have ever seen live. I don't know. It was, I mean, it was very impressive. He, yeah. is, he is insane. And so you, you pin him back get a good three and out. I think maybe they got a sack to end the drive. And then uh, they punt it back. Tariq runs up on it. He said after the game that he didn't feel comfortable sprinting up to the ball and catching it, which, you know, is what it is. And it rolls 30 yards down the field. You're pinned back in your own territory again. And then you go through a three, three play stretch. That was just basically a disaster. Like nothing happened for them. And uh, like, from that moment on, you sit there and you're like, man, it felt like Iowa State had 
considerably swung the momentum in their way from the end of the first half through those first two drives of the second half. And then Mm -hmm. that punt happened and everything went back to Iowa. Like all the momentum went back to them and you go three and out instantly. You lose 13 yards on the drive. You flip field position back their direction. And it's like, they never were able to dig themselves back out of the hole that they created on those like two series, kind of like a five play stretch that just kind of took them out of the game. Yeah. And it was, and that's just, it's just, it's a detail thing. Like the other thing, I mean, again, shout out to shout out to the Iowa punt team, which is horrible. I hate saying that because okay, it's total digression as good of a punter as he is. And as much of a field flipping as he has, it shouldn't matter. Like yeah. that position does not affect winning and losing in the same way that it should. Like it's shout out to doing the thing really, really well, but like, that's not ultimately what is going to, to get you to win or lose a game. So like that great job, let's get out of that point. But that's just, a, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's another one of those like little execution points. It's, it is an attention to detail. It's taking things the right way and not, not blowing your foot off, like fielding that punt. I can, I can understand why he didn't do that. Uh, because you know, ultimately is it 30 yards behind? Yep. Did you get the ball back? Yep. Like you need to be aggressive. You need to feel the punts, but you also need to be smart. Uh, I don't give everybody a heart attack by, you know, being within six inches of the ball, but at the same time, yeah, you get the ball back then at that point it's on the offense and the offense should do the job of what offense is meant to do, which is move the ball. And then they didn't because again, execution errors and just little mental mistakes that just kept happening. Again, I think the, the whole crux of how I feel about this, this team now is that I'm not diminishing what the end result of what the season, the expectations of the season are, but it is now hinging on decisions that I, th- I think and hope that they're going to make, which is again, back to that very point is you have now, gotten yourself, you were, whether or not like in a boxing or UFC thing, like it made different metaphors. It's not even necessarily that you had your gloves down. Like they were probably, they have probably had their gloves in pretty well protective, a conservative fight style or fight, whatever is they're trying to be a little bit perfect, but then you get body blow, body blow, body blow, body blow. Your arm, your hands get brought down and you get one right to the jaw and you are on the mat right now. Okay. What's your choice from right here? What is your choice? Do you get back up and do you try and continue to go? I'm really scared now of making this mistake again, or you know what? I'm going to come out and I've got to be at least a little bit aggressive. This dude is punching me so much. I'm taking so much abuse because I'm so cautious in my approach that I'm going to have to go out and do this. I have to go be, I have to go do this now. I'm going to deliver this punch to them and, and be aggressive, go forward, go forward, go forward. And I might put myself a little bit out of position if I go to take a haymaker, but maybe, maybe I do, maybe I end up getting to this, but what I was doing before wasn't working. Like I've got to change something. So I think that they're in the position to make that change, uh, offensively because they have to like, either you end up being pedestrian for the whole time, or you end up looking yourself in the mirror and going, what I was doing was not effective. I am wrong in my past. I will be right in my future. And I think, I think too, like, man, I got to tip my cap to Iowa because I've never seen a team that is more consistently in position to make, to take advantage of people's mistakes. Like, I, I don't know what better way to put it where it's like every time the ball pops up in the air, they're right there to get it. 
mm-hmm. you know? And like, I think that at some, at some point, like you just got to look at it and be like, Shh. tip my cap to you. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I've, I, I just have never seen a team work so consistently like the ball that the last interception for that ball to pop up in the air, the way that it did and for it to go right to a safety. Like how many times do you think the ball could hit, get hit by a defensive lineman that way and pop up in the air exactly the way it did right to an Iowa guy? Like that's just one of those things where you sit there and you're like, man, sometimes the ball just does not bounce your way. And mm-hmm. for some reason in this series, the ball just does not bounce Iowa state's way. And uh, like you can even, there's even been times, there were times in the game on Saturday where Iowa would do things that were similar, whether it's drop pass or, you know, something like that. And the ball does falls to the ground. Like it doesn't bounce that way for Iowa state. And I don't know, like at some point you just got to give them credit and be like, man, I don't know why, but for some reason you guys are always right there to take advantage of these scenarios that, that pop up. And I have not seen, I don't know many teams I've ever seen that are in, in, in situations like that to always take advantage of those kinds of things. Yeah. And that's, it's, and it is credit to them. Um, and that's why they moved up. I mean, the, the amount of respect that, that Iowa carries with how they play. I mean, they went from started the year at what, 15 or 17, and then they went to 10 after beating Indiana and they went to five after beating us. Like that's a huge jump. And that's a sign of respect towards how Iowa plays the thing that I would. And again, I don't know how many Hawkeye fans listen to this, maybe just like a schadenfreude of listening to what the opponent has to say. The one thing that I would caution against as far as like a complete overconfidence is because they don't do a lot. They, they just are very consistent. There are going to be teams that in that top five, like if you're going to play against Oklahoma, Oklahoma also doesn't make mistakes. They are just more explosive. So, uh, a, a team like OU might be frightening or might be able to move the ball really well against Iowa in the same way though, is a team like, I don't know, let's take another one of the top five, uh, a team like Ohio state that then they're not necessarily top five anymore. A team like Ohio state is just rife for mistakes. So Iowa might have a chance to beat the bejesus out of Ohio state in a situation like that, because they take advantage of, their, of uh, not necessarily that the lack of explosiveness, but, uh, a lack of sound decision-making. So like they're going to match up really, really well against some teams and actually pretty poorly against others uh, because of like the natural scheme of it, that they're really cautious that explosive teams can take advantage of that. Like there are, if you are able to execute, there are big holes or big uh, ways you can exploit against that defense. But at the same time, it's the whole luck is where preparation meets opportunity, whatever that was, like whatever that phrase is, uh, they make themselves able to harness bad situations to their advantage because they practice doing it. Like they they are able, because they play that zone. A lot of times uh, they're going to sit and they're going to be watching the quarterback. They're going to be in the right spot. And if there is something that happens, they're not going to like, they're not going to miss seeing it because they are in the right spots. So yeah, that's shout out to, I mean, good job to them not, not saying at all. They're that they are not deserving. It's just, there are teams that will match up well against that. Just, there's not many of those teams that can match up well against it. All right. Last thing. And then we'll talk about the defense. Um, the decision to take Brock out of the game. What did you think of that? Um, very, uh, very ballsy to do that. Um, but at the same time, like 
I think this might be the greatest, like the greatest descriptor of consideration that Campbell has for the development of individuals, not just football players. Like I would imagine the reason what Campbell said is that he wanted to give Brock perspective, like wanted to give him the chance to have a perspective of the game, right? Like I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's about right. Yeah. I mean, it was basically, I think he said he, he wanted Brock to be able to calm down more or less like, and I'm sure it's kind of the same thing. Like what you're saying about getting perspective. It's like things had clearly snowballed out of control at that point. You know, I mean, they'd thrown in, they'd turned the ball over on three straight possessions, like, and, and things were not going well. Things were really getting haywire. I think it was like, Hey man, you don't got it right now. Things are really out of control. We need you to just like calm down and we can't let this get any worse than what it is. You know, like that's kind of what I saw, what I saw it as. And it was coach Campbell saying to him, like, Hey man, stay over here. Just like, get, get, get it out of your mind. Like we just need to move on. We can't let this hang around with you forever. We don't want it to get worse to where it's going to hang around with you forever. If that makes sense. Yeah. And like, if, if we go to, I was thinking about this last night, just because it is such a peculiar decision that no, that I wouldn't necessarily think to say from the outside, but like from the inside, let's think about like, if you were coaching uh, an eighth grade or like an eight year old flag football team and you're playing just a random Thursday night game against some other group of eight year olds. And there's one guy that tripped and fell or one kid that tripped and fell. He's playing, I don't know, wide receiver he tripped and fell and he's one of your best players. And he got really mad that he tripped and fell. And so he goes out next time and runs a little bit harder. And then he ends up running into somebody. And then that kid gets a fence and kind of pushes him. Then he gets even more mad. Then he goes out and runs really, really hard again. And he trips again because he's running too hard as you know, can't necessarily. And now he's so in his own brain that he's so mad that he's not doing well. What are you going to do with that eight-year-old kid? Like, you're going to tell him like, Hey, bud, like, this is not the most important thing in your life. Like, I need you to just sit down, just relax. It's okay. Like you being so up, so worked up, isn't going to do anybody any favors. And I want you to still enjoy doing this because you enjoy playing football. I don't want you to get this negative imprint of what this game is about that you miss the point. And so like, it's a random Thursday night and you're going to sit that kid down because it's not a lesson that you're trying to teach. It's you're trying to keep him from hurting himself, like mentally, emotionally remembering things. And then you like the counterpoint to that is, yeah, but this isn't eight year old flag football. This is the Iowa, Iowa state game. But what if radical thought Matt Campbell views the kids the same way that like, I want you to be able to be in your best mental space and this is not it. If I force you to go out there, if I keep putting you out there and you have to, you, you're still in this frustrated, you're trying so hard to, to be perfect, to be every, to make every execute, to make everything happen. You feel the weight of the world on your shoulders and, and, and you have to bear all that. And if I, if you look at Matt Campbell viewing Brock Purdy, the same way that you would look at your son's eight-year-old flag football team, that the character and lesson taught to the individual is more important than the outcome of the game, then this makes total sense. Like there's no question that you take him out. If he is in fact burying himself in pressure and frustration and kind of the, the, the burden of perfect and, and all those kinds of things that he's just sitting under, you take the kid out. Duh. Like that makes 100% sense. But and, if you view it, okay, too, go for sorry, it. Sorry to cut you off, but, and two, man, 
let's not pretend like the game was in doubt. Like anybody that's reasonable enough to have seen the way that the game was going, that knows anything about Iowa, it was going to take something insane happening for the momentum of the game to shift, the tide of the game to shift drastically enough for Iowa State to be in, in it again to win the game. Like I never thought, almost, I never thought taking did. him out was like what was going to shift it back in there. In like it didn't feel like them quitting. It was one of those mm-hmm. things where they're like, we're realistic enough to understand that leaving Brock out here is not going to give us a chance to win the game. You know, like, and it's probably going to be give a better opportunity for it to be detrimental to him than it is for it to help us win this game right now. You yeah. know, yeah, we need and, him to be and, better for the next ten games than be better for this one quarter. Yeah, and I think that it it all. I mean, still wild crap almost happened. Like, this is another thing that we can just address before we move on to the defense is one of the reasons why people like I ran into a, a, a teammate of mine, Rayshon Parker, and he was like, "Man, why they kick that field goal?" Like at the very end of the game, there's 40 seconds left. You get inside a field goal range. I think you have zero timeouts. I think I did less, no timeouts left. And uh, Mevis, if if Mevis hits that field goal, it's a seven point game. Well, it, 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 ten points left. You have 48 seconds. Likely, you are not going to be able to just throw a touchdown pass right now. So it's going to take another. 30, 40, 50 seconds for you to even potentially get into the end zone. Even if as things go really, really well, let's say it takes another 30 seconds, then you have to, you have to have an onside kick that you then can throw into the end zone for a touchdown, which would give you the win. Awesome. The more realistic situation is that you run more offensive snaps, more bad things can happen. Someone gets tackled in bounds. You have no timeouts. You waste 27 seconds on one play. And all of a sudden you've got 11 seconds left clocks running to snap the ball and do something with a uh, guy catches it in bounds games over. You don't even have the chance to score the first touchdown to get yourself in this position to score the second touchdown. But if you kick the field goal right away, you preserve all the time on the clock that allows you then a uh, like let's say you kick the field goal, I think it ends up being like 42 seconds or something like that. Then you get the onside kick. You're still in the same situation of needing the onside kick, but then you have 42 seconds to work with. So then you can maybe get the ball down a little bit farther to the 41 yard line, which is a much more reasonable throw to the end zone than trying to just get an onside kick that you have one second with, because you maybe got in the end zone that you then have to chuck into the thing. So you need two scores. You put the field goal first and the touchdown second, instead of the touchdown first and the field goal second, it, it makes total sense. Like that one, that's the right decision. So let's just push that one off the table. Like the criticism for that is <clears throat> the time risk that you run by running more offensive plays in that drive is much more than the points risk of not getting that field goal. So like that one makes total sense. So let's, yeah, let's push that off the table. Um, but by putting Brock on the bench and bringing out hundred Eckers, it, yeah, it allowed Brock to be like, look, this works. Like you can't, this, this thing can happen. You don't need to be perfect. Like, is he making every perfect decision? Is hundred Eckers making every perfect decision? Probably not. He made pretty good ones. I actually really like the way that he played, but granted the situation is different. So look at, we still survived. Like you don't need to be the best 100% every single time to be totally perfect. Like allow yourself to just relax, like to, to understand. I think for the perspective thing that he was talking about just allows you to go like, look, you were not on the field and we still did something. That's not to say you're irreplaceable or that's not to say that you're replaceable. It's just to say that you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be you know, this, you don't have to win the Heisman trophy every single time. And you have to avoid 100% of your mistakes. That's not the case. Like relax. It is okay. Like have your jokes on the bench, like be able to just 
breathe for a second. So, uh, I think that's what I like the, the feeling that I got was that he was Campbell was trying to save Brock from himself because of the pressure that Brock probably put on himself for the things that happened. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know. I think to put any other motive on it and say like that they quit or coach Campbell was quitting or throwing in the towel. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I mean, they went right down and scored when they put hundred Deckers in. So it's like, it, it's not like they just quit playing at that mm-hmm. point. You know, clearly they, they didn't quit playing. I don't think Iowa scored any more points at that point. You know, they just were like, well, realistically, this kid probably gives us our best shot at this point, you know? And like you said, Hunter's Decker, Hunter Decker's played well, man. Like that kid is good. That kid is really good. He's going to be really good for Iowa state in the future. And I think too, it was probably really beneficial for him to be able to go into a game that was theoretically still somewhat in doubt that you could make a run and maybe win the game. Like I'm, that will probably be really valuable experience for him moving forward. Yeah. And because would you realize that like, Oh, things move fast, but eh, it's not super fast. Like I can still see it. I can still feel what was going on. Like the things that he was doing really well, other than just, you can tell that he's got a different arm than Brock does. Like he's got a different arm than most people do. That kid can absolutely sling it. Yeah. The throw he made to Tariq in the end zone is the best throw that an Iowa state quarterback has made this year. Yeah. It's, dude can absolutely spin it. He can sling it. And the thing that was nice about Deckers, again, it's a different situation. We're not, this is not a direct AB comparison of like a oh, hundred Deckers is better than Brock. Like this is absolutely not what I'm saying, but like the things that are that the things that he did from just decision standpoint, like the easiest one is there was one, I forget who he threw it to, but it was off his, the, the offensive left side, Iowa brought two blitzers, which is, uh, there was like a safety and a linebacker or something like that off the left side. Cause they're looking at, all right, this quarterback is new. We're going to bring, put pressure on him because pressure a lot of times is going to force you to make a bad decision. Well, they brought a blitz from depth, meaning the guys were four yards off the ball, which means you got a lot of time. Like you wait until they leave the area and you throw it right where they left. Like there is, there's a natural check that happens. Like they just, just slant right in throw through somebody through it. You throw a slant right to where they were right behind it. Seven yards, eight yards right away. Perfect. You that's, we call that a take two. Like if two guys come, you run, right. We just have the receiver run a check right to where they were. You put it on his numbers. He catches it, break a tackle and run for a while, or you just catch it and it's balls down like nine yard gain on a blitz. Perfect. It's exactly the decision you want to make. It's an easy decision, but when you're so frustrated, like, uh, Brock was, you can't see that. And so hundred acres actually made just good, solid fundamental plays. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Do you have anything else you want to say before we move on? No, I just ultimately, like, let's not throw the baby out with bathwater. Like did Iowa state's offense play poorly? Yes, they did. Is there a substantial room for improvement? Yes, there is. Is there the choice now on them to, to like, is there the capacity with them to make the choice to be good? Yep. That's on them now. Like you guys make the choice. You got knocked down. Let's see what you do when you stand back up. Right. And I, I want to say just to clarify, like I wrote after the game, you know, I wrote in my column and I, and I talked about what I thought it was as an offensive performance. And again, when you weight it with expectations, what the expectations for this offense were, I don't feel out of, I don't feel like I'm wrong in saying that it was the worst or most disappointing performance by an Iowa state offensive unit since Matt Campbell has been there. When you weighed in expectations, 
I don't want people to think that that's me saying like, they can't do it. You know, mm-hmm. we know they can do it. I've like, I've seen them do it. I know that they can do it. It's, it was frustrating and it was disappointing. That's why I wrote what I did because I was like, it felt like this team should be able to get past some of those things and have the mental fortitude to be able to work their way through them rather than just like have it all snowball and like fall apart as everything falls apart on my desk. Uh, that's why I wrote what I did. And like, you know, I had Braxton Lewis who played at Iowa state played safety for the cyclones coming at me. Like I'd said that the, they needed to fire Matt Campbell. And I'm like, it's not even what I said. It's that something here is broken. How do you fix it? You know, Mm -hmm. that's what I want to see. I don't want, I don't want it to become a thing where it like lingers forever because you don't fix these issues that persist that have been persistent in the month of September for five years. Yeah. And, and I would, I would say that when you weight expectations and you grade everything on a curve, this was bad, but you weight everything on expectations and this is bad. It also, again, could be the expensive experience necessary to actually just get them to do stuff. Like if you are, again, if you need, if you need to improve and you need to learn how to improve, here's your chance. So it wasn't good. And that's okay. Like, because you have the chance to improve upon it going forward. If it doesn't improve, that's when you need to be concerned. So like the next six games, whatever, and Iowa state luckily has a pretty good stretch to get it figured out is you have UNLV. Who's not very good. Then you go to Baylor who we don't really know anything about. They might be decent. They might not be. And then you have Kansas. Like you've got three games that are that you, I would say are probably three of your bigger games games that you'll be the biggest favorites in, uh, right away after this game to fix what was broken what or what is broken. Then you got to buy afterwards. So like they got the chance right now, like this is the perfect stretch to figure out what you're going to do, but you have got to take ownership of what happened. So if someone criticizes and says like some, some idiot in the media named Jared Stinsbury, like if some idiot says that this is the worst thing you've ever done, all right, prove them wrong. Like show them that that's not true. Like it's not, a, it's not a harsh criticism. It, it's harsh criticism. It's not a totally inaccurate criticism from you, but at the same time, if that's what the perception is, because you're not going to get a compliment on film to say that like, yeah, you <laughs> look how well we played, you know, that like, I know that you're, I'm a play. If I'm a player, I know that I didn't play well. I don't need you to tell me. So now it's just a chance for me to step up and say, okay, all the responsibilities on my shoulders right now to fix my mistakes that everybody knows happened. So let's fix the mistakes. And, you know, I don't write those things. Like I don't write those things because I hate Iowa state. I don't write those things because I like want to be a hot takes guy or like, or because I want to hurt people's feelings. You know, I write those things because at the end of the day, like sometimes you just got to call it how you see it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've been doing this for, I've almost been doing this for 10 years now. Like, I feel like I've learned when I can and cannot say those kinds of things. And I don't think that anybody at the football program is going to sit there and hold animosity towards me because I called it how I saw it. You know, it's not like I was taking disrespectful shots at people specifically. Like, I'm just trying to sit here and say like, this is what I see. And this is what they say about what I see, you know? Mm -hmm. And I I don't think that that's a, a wrong thing. People out there want, like, there are people out there that want you to be harsh. There are people that want you to always act like it's sunshine and roses. I try and take somewhat of a middle ground approach. This time I just lean one way, the, the other way a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I sit there and that's, I don't feel bad about it. I don't know. 
I feel like I was as fair as I could have been in the scenario. And if you are a player and it's like, you take those kinds of things personally, it's like you're playing division one college football at the power five level at a high level. Sometimes you're going to get criticized if you don't do your job right. And it's okay. Take yeah. it personally then. Like I, I take it personally. Like, right. And if, I, if and it, I, but I would tell those guys too, if, if they did take it personally, I would say like, this is not me against you. Like I have nothing against you as a person like Brock Brees. I think they're all great kids, you know, but I think that they're also mature enough to know, like guys doing his job. I don't know. You know, like it's just what you got to do sometimes. And if they have an F them in their head a little bit, that's not the worst thing on earth. Like if, if there's a, if the negativity can become a, a catalyst, again, if you are puking after eating that wing, you can be really mad at the vomit, but it's there. You can't, you can be mad that it exists. You can be mad that you made your decisions to put yourself in this situation. But if you have four turnovers in a game and someone says, that's not a good game, it's not wrong. It's just a matter of you then go, I'm not going to let that happen again. Screw this. I'm going to fix this. And at the end of the day too, like I would be really bad at my job if I wanted Brock Purdy to be my buddy all the time, you know, and I wanted to tell Brock Purdy how awesome that he is all the time. And you, it would have been the same way if Chris Williams had always been talking about how great Jeff Woody is and how great Jeff Woody is. And I want to be Jeff Woody's buddy. Like, but this, and then never would criticize you for anything that you did wrong. You would probably have less respect for Chris Williams because you would think that he doesn't ever tell it how it is. You know, <laughs> he's just here kissing ass all the time. Does that make sense? I mean, he does. He does. Well, yeah, you know what I mean though. Okay. Maybe I know, I'm just, I'm right kidding. Then. Yeah. 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 I, mean, uh, I, make, I make a joke. Right. I, I know. But that's, that's like where it, I just, it, it, I came back to that where it's like, I'm not, I'm not giving up on anybody. I don't want anybody to think it's like personal. Like I just, sometimes you got to tell it how you see it. And I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's how I saw it. All right. We'll take a break. And then we'll talk about the Iowa state defense. When we come back on football and random things on the cycle Fanatic podcast network, welcome back to football and random things on the cycle Fanatic podcast network. Uh, all right, Jeff, for the second week in a row, this is what I want to say about the Iowa state defense. They are who we thought they were. They're that, real good. That group is really, really good, man. And, you know, I don't know how good Iowa's offense is. Probably not very based on the, <laughs> probably based on the, their performance in the first two games, but man, outside of like a couple plays that defense, I mean, they did their job as well as they probably could. There were 95% of the game. I mean, even in the times when I think it was after the Hutchinson interception, uh, I would not get any points off of that one. I don't think it was one of the, it was one of the times when they started in like the, the 30 or 35 or something like that inside of Iowa state territory. Yeah. And then they got and a sack on third. Down. It was, we got third and 10 or something like that from the 30 and they get a 14 yard sack to push them out of field goal. range. I mean, that is as they are, Damn good. And the thing that's impressive is that the pass rush without Jaquan Bailey has not gotten worse. Like if anything, it's gotten more explosive because it's diversified where the risk is coming from. Cause even guys like Singleton and Lee, and when they put a, a Wazirike in the middle, like Pete, Zach Peterson, really good. Like he probably played his best game of his career on Saturday. It's super explosive. Will McDonald is, I mean, he is, he, and he seems like he's just scratching the surface of how good he can be. Like he is, he has, he really still has good. one move, dude. Like that rip through that he has to the outside is and unstoppable. 
He's just faster than you. And like, yeah. there's no, it's just, I'm better than you. End of story. Uh, and then you have a who's now starting to develop a little bit of interior pass rush. Like when he goes against a guard or a center, his length is really hard to contest with. And then you have the rest of the, the people, like then you have Jake Hummel and then you have guys like Singleton, you guys have, have guys like Lee and you start to develop a pass rush from everywhere. They're like, yeah, you got to know where number nine is, but you got to know where number 55 is. You got to know where number 58 is. You got to know where 35, you got to know where everybody is. So like, this is, it is really fun to watch a defense be absolutely shut down. Like the, the, their, their second half scoring streak got skewed in this last one, because, you know, if there's a fumble return touchdown, which they didn't technically allow. And then two field goals that were off turnovers that ended up inside of the 30 yard line. And they still pushed one of those instances back. Like they allow, this is a fun fact. I don't remember the exact I might be off by one or two yards, but Iowa state allowed 16 yards in the second half, 16 total offensive yards in the second half to Iowa to a division one power five opponent. Yes. And, and the, the counterpoint, the, the natural counterpoint is, oh no, well, Iowa was trying to run the ball out. They're just trying to, they're trying to, you know, play conservative or whatever. Probably true. Is that why you get sacked on third down three times? No, that's not. You just got beat. Like you can run, you can play conservatively, but conservatively doesn't get you 16 total yards of offense in the second half. If Iowa would have put those in for touchdowns, those turnovers that they had, that game is over, boom, flat out over in the middle of the third quarter. Do you Not know how happened. many, do you know how many yards they gained in the third quarter? Negative something. They ran 12 plays ran 12 plays in six minutes and 50 seconds <laughs> uh, for negative six yards in an entire quarter, in an entire quarter and won the quarter 10 to zero. Yeah. Just been, that's a, it's turnover. So like, again, the, the counterpoint so for, uh, for all of the natural arguments that are going to be had with Iowa fans throughout the week, uh, the Iowa state's defense is every bit as good as Iowa's defense is. Yeah. It's just the opportunities that were there for Iowa in the same way that it was against in the, in the Indiana game, the mistakes were substantially bigger from the Iowa state offense than they were from the Iowa offense is the defense has played equivalent quality. Iowa's defense, really good. Iowa state's defense, really good. The opportunities and mistakes made by the other team weren't as substantial. So uh, I'm this, and that is I mean, no problems, no issues with the defense. Let's check it and move on. And let's see what happens for the rest of the year. When a team like Kansas has to go against this defense, man, you, you want to talk about a kid to be excited about J.R. Singleton's a dog, dude. He can, he's that got kid some, is explosive off the line, man. Explosive moves. Yeah. Like he made that one play in the first half where they were trying to run a stretch uh, to the left side and he blows past Tyler Linder, Linderbaum and gets into the backfield and uh, to, to drop Goodson for a loss. And I texted you, I was like, yo, 56 got some go to him, man. Like that, that boy can ball. He's uh, and that he's, again, he's not the only one, like there is diversity on that diversity of skill and danger on that front seven. And like, shoot, Mike Rose in, in the game, Mike Rose played Sam and Mike, like they played, he didn't come off the field much uh, when they would rotate they would rotate in like Hummel and Mike were in most of the game. Like those two were playing most of the game and they would rotate. So when it was Gary Vaughn was playing Mike, when 
Mike Rose would play Sam. So he's the one playing out in space. But then when they brought in, was it Horn? Yeah, Eric Horn. And then they so brought Eric, Deshaun Davis in at some points too, but not yeah. as much. So they would brought, like Eric Horn would play Sam and then Mike Rose would move in to play middle linebacker. So like his, I mean, shoot, that is nuts. Like the, the ability to play at that level at two different positions. I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable. The, the defense is just, there is no issues that you could have with this defense. Yeah. I had people tweeting at me after the game talking about Mike Rose in saying that he like wasn't showing up at an all American level. And I was like, uh, okay. And I, I was like, all right, well, I wonder what his stats were. Well, he only had, he had seven tackles, a tackle for a loss and a quarterback hurry. And he was second on the team in tackles. I was like, if that's not an all American level, then what is that first team all conference level? Oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like, what do you want to, you want him to be the Fordham guy who's had 58 tackles in the last two games? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like that at some point it's like, you're, you're picking nits, bro. I don't know. Like, do you expect him to have 30 tackles a game? He's no, making 20, plays and doing fine. his thing. 23 but, is fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but back to what we said about Zach Peterson. I mean, he had seven tackles a half a sack, two tackles for a loss and a quarterback hurry. Like he was fantastic for mm -hmm. the entire game. I mean, he is, he is explosive and dangerous. Like that's the thing. So he and Will McDonald on opposite sides, Iowa state is in good hands. And of the guys that are at the top of this, of this defense dudes who still have eligibility remaining, uh, after this year, I mean, I stream young six tackles, Kamani King, four tackles, uh, Bo Freiler had three tackles, TJ Tampa, three tackles, you know, J.R. Singleton was in there making plays. Will McDonald, uh, Eric Horn, Jordan Morgan, Deshaun Davis, Isaiah Lee. I mean, there's so many dudes that are on this defense that still have a lot of years left to play at Iowa State. Like, mm -hmm. this Iowa State defense, it ain't like, you know, the, this these guys that are seniors right now are going to graduate and everything's going to fall apart and the defense is going to be dreadful. No, like, they're still probably going to – are they going to be this good next year? Probably not. I mean, this might be like a top 10 defense in the entire country. But so to expect that would probably be dumb, but man, they're still going to be really, really good yeah. with the guys and, that they're going to have coming back. And there's also going to be some dudes that make a substantial amount of money playing this sport that are yeah. earning themselves more money. Like, I mean, talk about Anthony Johnson is an absolute dog. They won't throw at him. No one will. Absolute dog. He can't, he can't get all conference because no one will throw the ball at him. Like that's what's the, it's one of the most remarkable things I can remember in quite some time. Like even, as good as Brian Peavy was, or when he was at Iowa state, Peave still had opportunities to make a lot of plays because they would still throw the ball at it, like towards him. They just won't even throw the ball towards 26. Ever. And he can tackle. Yeah. He can tackle too. He can run. Fill. I mean, he's, he is going to be a draft pick somewhere. Like, I think he'll end up getting picked somewhere. Will McDonald's going to end up getting picked somewhere. Mike Rose is going to end up getting picked somewhere. I hope Jake Hummel would get picked somewhere, but he I deserves can't. to man. He that kid's something else. Yeah. Greg Eisworth probably going to get, end up getting picked somewhere. Aishim Young's probably going to end up getting picked somewhere. Like one of the interior line. I don't know. Like any, I wouldn't be surprised if any makes a roster somewhere. If he continues to be productive at that, like there's just so much now developed talent on that roster. So like, I don't know. There's, it's hard to talk about the defense super in depth when it's just like, everything's good. Like no issues. Everything's fine. Yeah. They allowed 173 yards to a team. And, and 
and how many rushing, like 51 rushing yards, something like that to Tyler Goodson, who is a damn good running back. And they allowed, I mean, barely any rushing yards to Tyler Goodson. Yeah. But Iowa averaged 1.7 yards per carry. 1.7. How many times do you think Iowa has been held to 1.7 yards per carry in the last 20 years? Very few. Yeah. Especially with an all with the best center in the country. Right. Yeah. N- not many at all. Um, all right. So that's enough of that. How are you feeling going into UNLV this weekend? I think it, it all can be summed up in the same thing we talked about kind of in the first major segment, which is uh, they have the choice to improve or fight what fight a downhill losing battle. So you can either go what we were doing or how we were doing it or the attack, the approach, the thought process, the, the, the whole core ethos of what we were doing wasn't working. And this is me as an individual, me as Brock Purdy, me as Brees Hall, me as, you know, Colin Newell, me as an individual on this team, what I was doing, what I, how I was going about doing it wasn't good enough. I need to change. Or you can say, this scheme doesn't work or this other guy isn't doing anything or this person is doing something poorly or he was missing a block or he was missing a cut or he dropped a pass and you can externalize all the problems or you can say, I need to be better. And if you can say, I need to be better and you go be better or I need to have more fun or I need to cut it loose or I need whatever, like identify the thing and fix it. Like this is the, this is the perfect situation. Now you're going into a week that you should win. It's against a subpar opponent. It's a team that you could just beat the hell out of if you really need to. But if you don't, like this is a time when if you don't, every team is good enough to make you think about doing it wrong. Like, so if you don't, UNLV is not so bad that they can't accidentally happen their way into a couple of good games. So this is a, they are, they should be fine because I think this team has already done it where they've, again, last year against Louisiana, when they looked at it and they said, this is not where we want to be. We must be better. They did. They were better. So now you have the chance. Be better. For sure. Um, all right. We should tell people we don't know if you're going to be on Football on Random Things next week. Jeff Woody's getting married this weekend. So everybody. Yeah, so actually, send, a week from today. Well, yeah. Send everybody. Everybody send Jeff Woody their congratulations and uh, tell him good luck in, a, in marriage. But uh, so we don't know if you're going to be here to recap the game next week, but that's okay. We'll figure it out. Hopefully have Jay Jordan or somebody on. Yeah. I'll be uh, sitting on a beach somewhere. Enjoying. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous to me that you think something like getting married is more important than uh, d- doing an episode of football and random things. It's obviously uh, or honestly really offensive, but I'll get over it. You know what? I'm, I think you're right. I'm just going to send a, send an email out to everybody. Say it's off. <laughs> Email blast. You, even to Aaron, just say, "Hey, okay. uh, just so you know, I have to record this podcast, so we're gonna have to call I, everything I, off." I, I can't go. Yeah, we have to shut the whole thing down. Sorry, uh, it's it's been fun, but it's priorities here. I'll uh, I will have a drink in Las Vegas or two uh, in your honor, <laughs> and I'll I will we will cheers to you while we're out there. All right, I appreciate it. All right, buddy. We'll uh, we'll talk here maybe next week or in a couple weeks, and we'll talk to everybody again soon. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.